0: Well, are you enjoying Joshua as much as I am? I just love Joshua. I really do. I feel like that if I live, if I ever got the opportunity to come back and live again, <laughs> I'd like to be Joshua. <laughs> I, just, I just love reading about him. I love to see the exploits that God did in him and then through him. ...to impact his world. And this is one of my favorite stories. One of my favorite, I hate to call them stories... ...because they're historical accounts is what they are. They really actually happen. And so uh, chapter 9 in the book of Joshua... ...tonight we're going to talk about the Gibeonites. Did you ever hear about the Gibeonites? All right. well now, if if you remember last week... uh, ...we we had uh, gone into AI two chapters ago... And then last week, we, we saw them uh, kind of regroup and, and get, their, get themselves back together. This week, I was, I was thinking about regrouping, thinking about that word regrouping. And, and the Holy Spirit kind of spoke into me, and he said, think about my grace. He said, grace is always, uh, how, how did he say it? Too? Wait, let, I wrote it down. You, can I have just a, a couple of seconds? Let me write it down. Just, just hold on to yourself for just a second and I'll tell you exactly what I felt like the Lord spoke to me personally. I'm almost there. You ready? Are you really ready? Here it is. Grace is always effective for lapses in judgment. It is continued disobedience that prevents grace from doing its perfecting work in us. Let me say that again. Grace is always effective for lapses in judgment. It is continued disobedience that prevents grace from doing its perfecting work in us. What that means is simply that we can mess up and just leave it there or we can apply grace to our situation. And grace will lift us up. Grace will lead us on. But if we just remain in our disobedience, and if we just remain in our failure, then even though grace is available, we're not applying it to our lives, and so it doesn't help us. And so that, that's kind of what we see here uh, in chapter 7 and 8, where uh, they, they had this great defeat at Ai, where Ai came and chased them, killed 36 of their men, and then they had to regroup. They had to, they had to walk back into grace, and thankfully, God... Gave them the victory over AI when they came back and did things God's way. Amen. And so now we find ourselves. So now the word is spreading. Now the word's getting around that God is not just with Israel, but God is fighting for Israel. Now there's a difference in God just being with us and God saying, I'm going to fight for you. And, and he does that. So let's begin chapter 9. Verse 1, and it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowland, and all the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. When they heard about it, they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. Now let's think about that for just a moment. The word has spread to such a degree now that kings are starting to get worried that we cannot fight Israel on our own. There's not a chance in the world that we can defeat Israel on our own. And so we've got to do something different. We have got to uh, create some kind of allegiance with other kings and come together because it's the only chance that we've got. And so these five kings came together and they decided that they would fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. Have you ever felt like that you were fighting multiple devils in your life? I mean, there were days I felt like I had one little scrawny devil trying to flick my ear and it wasn't that big of a deal. And then there were other days when I felt like a whole legion of devils were, were trying to seek me out. And, and that's what we have here. We've got these five kings that they were afraid. And so they were building these allegiances together because they had heard about how the Lord it gave them victory over Ai. Now, this is not some type of secret strategy. They're just getting their heads together, and we're saying we're going to fight together. We're going to go head first. We're going to go right at them because that's the only chance that we have to defeat them. And then verse 3, but when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard, now Gibeon was the neighboring community to where the Israelites currently were. They were not a part of the alliance with these five kings that we just read about. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, Ai, they worked craftily. And went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal. And they said to him and to the men of Israel, "We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us." Now, I want to point out a few things to you here uh, that typically begin to uh, be manifested when when people are trying to deceive you, when they're when they're trying to cover the reality of who they may be or what the circumstance may be that. That they're trying to present. And the first word that I want to mention to you is craftily. Or crafty. They, they, they weren't just... They were, they, they were trying to be deceptive. They were trying to be manipulative. They, they weren't coming and telling the truth of the matter. They were manipulating the situation. And they were, they were communicating in such a way. That they were trying to make... The Israelites believed something that was not so. Did I just die or did you turn me down? Did you turn me down? That's okay if you did. I just didn't know if I was doing something wrong up here. Can you hear me? Everybody hear me fine? Okay, good, good. So they, they, were, they were being crafty with the Israelites. And then it says they went and they pretend, they pretended to be ambassadors. In other words, they were acting like that they had been sent officially that that they were there on king's business. They they were trying to create this peace treaty as ambassadors. But that's not at all. uh, The the way they were going about it was a deceptive way to do it. So craftily pretended, and then they were deviant in that this is what they did. They they took old sacks, old wineskins, And old and patched sandals and dry and moldy. So they were trying to look away that they weren't really. They had newer shoes. They had newer garments. They had newer wineskins. But they knew that if they approached Israel and they looked like that they were well kept. And that all was well. Then they knew that they were not going to be able to work this deception. And so they took these wineskins and they cut holes in them and they covered them up and they patched them. And, 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 and they did all these things to try to send a message that we are someone that we, really, that we really aren't. And so they were deceiving the Israelites. And then finally, they began to lie about the reality of who they were. Because they said, we have come from a far country. When in reality, they had just come from Highview Baptist Church. I mean, they, they just down the road, you know. They just, by the way, I got, did you see Pastor Smith preaching Sunday night? I'm telling you what, that man's Pentecostal secretly. I know that he is. He's got to be. He was preaching. He just flat laying. He, he was just laying cordwood Sunday night. He made one statement and he looked at the people and he said, I'm going to tell you something. If I'd have said that to a bunch of Pentecostals, they'd done be shouting right now. <laughs> I love it. Do you know where he got his education? Church of God Pentecostal Theological Seminary. Same place where I got my... I love to listen to him. Now, I don't want you to go into to the church down there. I just... <laughs> I'm gonna just watch them Sunday. That's right. Sunday night. Sunday night. Yeah, but he, he, he just, he preaching. So anyway, enough about Highview Baptist. They, they had just come from just down the street. And they're trying to sell this story that we came from a far country. Now let's just stop long enough to say that in life, there are going to be people who will try to make themselves out to be something that they are not. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you that there are preachers that if you you don't use your Holy Ghost-given discernment, that they know how to say all the right things at all the right times to move your emotions in such a way that it will move you to take an action that you'll later regret. I'll never forget the first, first church I ever pastored. There was a lady in the church there. She was so upset, and she came to me one day, and she said, Pastor, I got this letter from this TV preacher, and if I called, him called his name, every last one of you would know who I'm talking about. But he, he had sent this. He didn't do it. Let's just be honest about it. Somebody in his office did it on his behalf, sent this nasty letter out, to her saying, you made a pledge in the amount of X amount of dollars, and you did not pay it the last three months. And if you don't pay it because you promised to pay it, we can bring a lawsuit against you. Now, now here's this lady. She's an elderly lady living on a fixed income. and And when she showed me the letter, my righteous indignation went all the way through the top. It really did. And it, it marked that individual in my mind because for him to allow something to go out of his ministry like that to put fear in someone's mind who had made a faithful promise but then had circumstances to come in to their love, unable to fulfill it and then to say I'm going to bring a lawsuit against you. You've got to discern and that's the reason I've said this for years That's the reason I have said that the local church is the most important relationship that you can have when it comes to growing in knowledge in your relationship with Christ. Now, I'm not saying you can't get good information outside of the local church. Obviously, you can. But what I'm saying is is that you need to keep yourself in a position and in a place where there is some accountability in place for those who are preaching and teaching and, and standing before you in leadership position. And so here they are, they're representing themselves as someone in something that they are not. And Israel is falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. Let's go to verse 7. It says, Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make covenant with you? So let me stop just long enough to say that statement right there was a red flag in their minds. It was not adding up to them that these guys were from a far country and that they had these these, uh, old shoes and old wine sacks. Something was not clicking. Their discerner was discerning. And that's the reason they made that say, perhaps you dwell among us. And if you dwell among us, how can we make a covenant with you? Because you are one of us, is really what they're saying. But they said to Joshua, no, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, from a very far country, your servants have come. Because of the name of the Lord, your God. For we have heard of his fame, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and and say to them, we are your servants, now therefore make a covenant with us this bread of ours that we took was hot for our provision from our houses on the day that we departed to come to you they're lying right they're lying but now look at it it is dry and it is moldy and these wineskins which we filled were new and see they are now torn and these, our garments and our sandals, have become old because of this very long journey. <laughs> I, I remember a few years back, a friend of mine got audited by the IRS. And you know, if, you, if you're self-employed in any way whatsoever, you, you, you have to keep pretty accurate records of your mileage and your expenses and all that kind of thing. And somehow he had misplaced his mileage log that he kept in his car. The way I used to always do it back in the days of pen and paper is I'd get a two-year calendar or a one-year calendar and just leave it in the car. And if I went to go visit Sharon in the hospital, I'd write, okay, the mileage is, and then the mileage is, and you keep record, whatever. And then you turn it in, and, and you have that written record. Well, he had lost his mileage log. And it came time, he's getting audited, and he can't find his mileage log. And I just said to him, I said, well, do you have a record of your visits, and do you have a record of your going and to and fro and things like that? And He said, well, yeah, I do. And I said, well, why don't you just... You know, estimate the, the mileage, estimate on the low side or whatever. If you know that on this day you left the office and you went to Baptist East Hospital, it wasn't in Louisville, It's several years ago, but you went to the hospital and you know that it's 7.2 miles to the hospital, write that down, just kind of recreate it. Well, he said, man, that's 365 days. And I said, well, it is. But you might pay $365 if you don't do it. Or $365,000 if you don't do it. So he recreated recreated the whole thing in a new log. And he he did everything that he knew to be as accurate as he could be. And he's getting ready to go to this audit. And he looks at this mileage log and it looks brand new. I mean the price sticker still on it and everything. And he's thinking, this doesn't look like a used mileage log. What am I going to do? So he went out in the parking lot. And he ran over that thing with his car. He threw it on the the the, the asphalt. He stepped on it. He, taught, he 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 drove over the top of it and all that. He took it and went like this several times. Rolled it up. And he said, "I feel much better now, going into this audit, uh, having this." Now, uh, some of you may be thinking, "Oh, what a deceptive, here!" And another one of them deceptive preachers, you know, or whatever. But he he, he had done everything right, but it was the appearance that he was concerned about. He was afraid of what they might think if they saw this new log. And so he altered it to some degree. And now here these Gibeonites are before Israel. They've only come from Highview Baptist Church. And they probably stopped at the Domino's Pizza on the way here and had lunch. I mean, they haven't come very far. Their clothes shouldn't have been worn out. Their sandals shouldn't have been worn out. Their wine skin shouldn't have been worn out. But they had manipulated all of this to look and to represent something that was not true. And Joshua and the elders of Israel sensed. That something was not quite right here, and yet they allowed themselves to be deceived. Now, Has that ever happened to you? You don't have to show your hands or anything like that. It's like the old saying, uh, what's the old saying? It says, uh, I can't think of it, mess with me once, shame on you. Well, for, again, shame on me twice, shame on me. Or if you do it twice, something like that. I, I Actually, the only way I know it has bad language in it. And so I, I don't want to quote that here. So I, I grew up in southern Illinois where they used to cuss a little bit. They don't do that in Louisville. Yeah, <clears throat> but anyway. I, I got you, I got you. So, so their feelers were out. Israel, Joshua, their feelers were out. And yet they did not respond, and we'll get to this in just a moment. They did not respond to what the Spirit of the Lord was probably showing them and warning them about. But they did not follow the discernment that they were were feeling. And so they got taken advantage of. Chapter 14, or excuse me, verses 14 and 15. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions here it is. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. There it is right there. They did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them. And made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Now, let me explain to you in human terms what, what's going on here. They've, they've come. They, they, they have manipulated the situation. They have deceived at, with the best of them. And people who should have had godly discernment instead took their goods. They, they, they took their purse. Let me see your purse. Is there anything good in it? Yes. You could put something okay, in it good. if you want it. They, they took their purse and they said, oh, my. That's an old ratty purse. They probably did come for miles and miles. It had to be, had to be. Well, let me see your shoes. Let me put your sandal up here. You don't have to take it off. Oh, God. Ah. Oh, Jesus, help us. look at, I'm just kidding. I don't I'd already passed out with green face, huh? Oh, look at that. Look at that, man. Those shoes are almost completely worn out. They've probably been walking in these for months and years and, and, and the, bless their little hearts. They don't have, hardly even have anything to cover their feet. And, and all of this deception is, is, is overriding what the Spirit of God is speaking to them. I'm, I'm just here to tell you that when those alarms go off, And when those bells go off, you know what God is wanting you to do is to analyze it not by what you see, but by what you know is true. Because what you see oftentimes will be very different than what you know is true. God is not going to change his rules and commandments for you. Just because you think he should. Or because you want him to. God's laws are perfect. God's laws remain in effect. And when there comes that moment. When we have to determine. Am am I being taken advantage of here? Then we have to allow discernment to kick in. No I'm not going to say that. I'll just just go on. Well. If you knew what I was going to say, you'd understand why I'm not going to say it. So there you go. If you want the bonus material, you can come after church and I'll tell you. No, I won't. But we we get taken advantage of. And here was, here's the reason. Because while they had the purse in their hand, and when they had the sandal in their hand, they made a decision based on what they saw rather than asking God for his opinion. God, will you tell me whether or not this purse I hold in my hand is an attempt by the enemy to lure me a direction that I should not go? God, will you tell me that as good as, are these Air Jordans? Yeah, my goodness, man! You must be made of money. Hey, God, what size are those? Oh, if there were thirteens, you wouldn't have any shoes tonight. I'd be taking those things. God, what is it about? Is this is this something that I should accept and receive? Or, or Lord, are you trying to tell me something? Can you let me know? Can you can you give me a sense as to whether or not? This is authentic or whether or not it is deception by the enemy of my soul. And that's where so many of us fall short of the glory of God. It's because we fail, we fail, we fail to consult the Lord. And when we fail to consult the the Lord, we're just shooting in the dark when it comes to making decisions. We're just shooting in the dark said they did not ask counsel of the Lord. You'd think they would have already learned this lesson way back at Ai. When Joshua said, oh, we don't need all the warriors to go up, just send a few, just send a handful. Well, why did he make that decision? Because he did not inquire of the Lord. Let me just tell you something right now. There's not a day of your life that will pass. That you should not consult the Lord in your life. Not a day in your life. Don't even attempt to live tomorrow without the counsel of the Lord. Don't even attempt to try to do tomorrow without the wisdom of the Lord in your life. Don't even try. Because you might do it successfully tomorrow. And maybe even the next day. But I promise you. You're going to come up against some situation, somewhere, sometime, and if you don't consult the Lord and ask him what his wisdom is, the scripture says, with all of your getting, get Understand. Okay. Counsel from the Lord. Why? Because we have to have it. I, I've been saying this. This has been so strong in my spirit over the last Several months, if you don't have the proper knowledge, there is no way in the world that you can make the right decisions. Not a chance. You have to have knowledge first. The truth will set you free. What is truth? Truth is knowledge. If you don't accept the truth, knowledge, then there's really not a whole lot of point in you asking God... wisdom, Because you won't have knowledge to apply the wisdom and understanding to. You have to have knowledge and then you take the wisdom which can also be known as the anointing of the Holy Holy Spirit in your lives to, to show you how to use that knowledge. I'm going to give you an example. Before church. I mean, you guys know we're we're trying to help you because we know that we're in a small building, that we've got a small sanctuary here, and the more musicians that we get, the louder it can get. We know that. We understand that. We're trying to work on that. Somebody made a donation to help us buy these little systems over here where we can take all those extra speakers out because those speakers would bounce against that wall And come right back and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. So we're working on it. And we had it good and it was all going good. And this past Sunday, we put those plugs in our ears. And they are noise-counseling-canceling earplugs. Which means that when you stick that thing in your ear, you can't hear nothing. Except what's going in your ear from that earplug. For those of you who went to the Southern Gospel thing the other night you saw the singers with the earbuds in their ears. And there were a few of them, they'd reach up and they'd pick that thing out of their ear because they didn't like what they were hearing in their ear. Well, we had a problem Sunday. And so we couldn't hear anything. And so we're just up there, I didn't know if I was in the key of D, C, 14 flat, or, or G minor major. I, I didn't have a clue. And my when my wife gets frustrated, you know there's something wrong. She's over there digging them things out of her ears, and I thought she had ear mites. She said, I can't hear nothing. And so we called the guy that installed it, and I said, I said, Man, we had all kinds of problems with this Sunday. Went two weeks ago, it was perfect. We could hear everything. And Sunday we couldn't hear nothing. He said, Well, two or three things you need to check, body, blah, 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 blah. And so we came up and we made the adjustments. And we were getting this, this horrible noise in our ears that wasn't even close to praise and worship. And it was, just, it, was, it, was, it was just crazy. And so what happened was, is there is one little button on that little box. That if you would turn it one direction, you would think I'm turning the volume up instead of turning it down. But the manufacturer made this thing so that it's backwards. So if, you're, if you think you're turning it down, you're turning it up. And if you think you're turning it up, you're turning it down. And so Bill and I, were here an hour before church and we're, we're trying to do everything that he said. And finally, we made that discovery. And when we found that one button, it fixed all the problems that we were having. And so praise God, we should be able to hear something Sunday. I I pray to God we will, because we need all the help we can get. Amen? But here's what I'm trying to say. We could have all the anointing and all the wisdom in the world, but that one piece of knowledge was escaping us, and because we did not have the knowledge, we could not apply the wisdom. But once we got the knowledge, the wisdom was there. The wisdom is, turn it down, dummy. And when we turn it down, then we get the result that we want, but it's because we have the knowledge. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. God was trying to give them the knowledge that they were being deceived and that they were being manipulated And yet they were living by what they saw instead of what the truth of the matter is. Because they were trying to determine the truth rather than letting God determine the truth. And so any amount of wisdom that they might have tried to apply to the situation was not going to work. It was not going to help. Because knowledge and wisdom and understanding have to work together if they're going To work. So they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. And because they did not, it says Joshua made peace with them, peace with their enemy, and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them as well. Now, now they're in covenant. They have made a spiritual agreement, covenant with their enemy. Now I wonder how many of us sometimes do that in our own lives. You know, what's the old song Charlie Daniels sing, The Devil Went Down to Georgia? You ever heard that one? That's a good one, isn't it? (laughs) And, And in many ways, we go down to Georgia. And we make covenants with situations in our lives that we should not be making. We work for employers that are involved in rackets that they shouldn't be involved with, and yet we're giving them our skills and helping them be successful. And we know, we've got the knowledge that the kinds of things that they're involved with are things that they should not be involved with. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I've got to have a job and I've got to eat and I've got to know what you got to do is trust God to take care of you. Amen. If you're working for an employer that you know is slim shady, you ought to start asking God to open some other doors for you because you don't want to be complicit in something that that could be going on in the earth. Uh, let me give you an example of this. And, I, and you know, I don't know if you heard, you've heard this news report or not, but in America today, and, and this is not true of every, so if, if you ladies and you guys, I, you know, if you get manicures and pedicures, God bless you. I just got a pedicure the other day at the request of my wife. She said, if I have to look at your big toe one more day. She said, will you please go and get a pedicure with me? So we went. I can't tell that much difference. My my feet still smell the same way they did before. And they they look about the same. But made her happy. But did you know that many, particularly in large cities, And those that are located close to interstate highways are some of the greatest proponents of human trafficking in the United States today. They go and they get these Oriental women and they bring them to the United States and they force them to work for very little and sometimes no money whatsoever. It's been proven that in many instances, the only place that they have to lay their head is in the back room of that place on a little cot that's provided for them. And in many instances, they are, it's the best way for me to say this, they are houses of ill repute because they create an environment whereby if a trucker comes in or a traveler comes in to get a manicure or what or a pedicure that they know all of the code language and if they say the right thing someone can come out and say why don't you come back to the back room and we can work a deal and so they become not only someone who works on the nails and the and the toenails but now they've been forced to be a prostitute now here, here's the point I'm trying to make if we know that there are corporations that are involved in that kind of thing then at some point we have to get on our face before God and say, God, how in the world could I be supportive of something like that knowing that young ladies are being sold into slavery and being forced to do these kinds of things and they're being supported by some of these companies and some of these corporations. So all I'm saying to you is is that God has the ability to give us the discernment that we need and we have to use it. Because if not, we'll find ourselves in a situation like Joshua is, where God gave him, his feelers were up. He knew something wasn't right. He knew that something wasn't as it should be. And yet he set all of it aside and he ultimately made a covenant that would be revealed to him later that these people that he made covenant with just lived right around the corner. And were in fact not the people that they made themselves out to be. And so now they have covenanted that we are not going to kill you. And they couldn't kill them now. Now, even though God had said, I'm going I'm to give you every, every place that you step. I'm going to bring down every enemy that steps in your pathway. I'm going to take care of you. Now, they have created a situation where they are in covenant with the enemy and they cannot kill them. I, I don't have time to finish. It's 7.58. So I'm, I've stolen two or three minutes from you from time to time. I'm going to give you one of them back tonight. But next week we're going to go further in this and we're going to talk about how that God used this poor decision by Israel to bring glory to his name later down the road. In many instances, in in some instances, years later, the Gibeonites were known for helping the people of God. And standing up for the people of God when no one else would. So this relationship that was created out through, through deception and manipulation, God said, I'm going to redeem it and use it for my glory. Isn't that great? And he'll do it. And we'll talk about it next week. Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you that we, we, you're giving us knowledge and wisdom every week. And we're becoming the strong people of God that you've called us to be. Lord, I'm thankful. And I'm thankful that even when we mess up and when we fall short of your glory and we make poor choices and poor decisions, that you are still able to turn that for our good and that everything will ultimately bring glory to your name. And for that, we give you thanks. Keep us in your care, keep us safe. Lord, will you use us this week between now and Sunday? Will you help us to just impact in a positive way everybody that we come in contact with? Lord, tomorrow, wherever I go, whether whether it's in Louisville or whether it's in another community or a restaurant or a bank or wherever I go, Lord, when I walk in the room, will you just let the Spirit of God rise up in me in such a way that I can be a blessing to those who are around me and you might receive glory through my life. I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.